That's awesome. My shirt says G24L. G24L, and that has to do with every 24 hours are both a gift from God, and we should be grateful for every 24 hours. We're going to live our lives with a grateful heart for every 24-7 that we get, because God is good, and He loves us, and He blesses us over and over and over again. Well, there's a lot going on with the coronavirus and all this stuff going on and the quarantine and the possibility of being able to get out and be with our friends again and hang out and come to worship and all those things. Awesome. But right about now, you might be feeling a little bit like my friend. Uh, like, hey, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? 
You know, you might be feeling a little stir crazy, just need to get out. Just hang on, okay? Just hang on. I think we're going to move through this soon. And uh, God is going to get us through this, and it's, it's going to be awesome. But what I want us to do, and, and what I've been trying to do on Sunday mornings when we come together, is just get our minds off of those things, and as crazy as we may feel, and just, like, just focus on the Word of God. Just let the Word of God soak into your mind and your heart and your life, and just think about the glory of God and His Word and His truth and how much He loves us. And uh, just let that like permeate our thinking. So we're just moving forward. That's what we're going to do even in the midst of all this. We're just going to move forward in our faith and grow. And so we're in the book of Philippians. Paul is in Rome. He's in prison. And he's written a letter to the Philippians 2,000 years ago. And he's instructing them about things from God. Nuggets, truths from God for them to live by. And these same truths are good for you and for me and anyone else they are building blocks of truth. And then as we pull them out of the Word of God, Philippians chapter 2 is where we're going to be, they're going to, they're going to be big boulders of truth that we can stand on and live by and hold on to in the midst of any storm that is going to come your way. So these are good things for us to grow in and to meditate on and to think about. Alright, so last time we talked about this verse, verse 12, Paul says, Therefore, my dear friends, because he loves them, these are his good buddies, right? These are my buddies. Like, I've got buddies that go all the way back to um, elementary school and middle school and high school that I'm still in contact with with some of you guys because of FaceTime and because of uh, text messaging and Facebook and all this technology that allows us to stay connected. Isn't that awesome? Good buddies. That's what Paul said. Hey, therefore, my dear friends, my good friends, they're in Philippi. Paul's in Rome. As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence when I'm with you, but how much more in my absence. Continue, Paul said, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And we dug into that last week. It's on the message from last Sunday. Working out our salvation, like putting the time and the effort and the energy into it. That's what Paul said in verse 12. Now he goes on to say, For it is God, it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his, God's, good purpose. Do everything, he says, verse 14, without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. This is a powerful passage of scripture. Again, another one, because what God says through his apostles and through his prophets is important stuff for us to live by. This is food. Jesus talked about food from heaven, manna from heaven. This is it. This is like the bread of God that when we eat of the word of God, we are partaking in Jesus himself, the very word of God who became a human being and came to life like one of us. He became one of us. He is the bread of life. This is the word of God, the bread of life. And we got to live on this stuff. If you don't put this into your life, you will spiritually wither away and die. You will have no life. It'll only be death. And so this is good stuff. This is good truth for us to live by. And look what Paul says. 
It's a great section of scripture. Just kind of think through this, look through this. Hopefully you got your Bible open and you're looking at these verses with your eyes and your heart. And I, and I hope and pray that you'll just stay with me for just, you know, 25 minutes, 30 minutes as we dig into a couple of thoughts, a couple of truths from this passage that, that is good for our soul, that is good for our mind, it's good for our outlook, it's good for our, just to, for our lives, just for living, just to think about these things and meditate on the Word of God. Do that with me. Do that with me right now, okay? I'm going to hustle, I'm going to hurry, but stay with me, okay? Work with me on this. Paul, what Paul's doing here, he's, he's building these truths into them. What he's doing is he's encouraging them to remember spiritual truths, spiritual things, because there's a lot of things to think about in life. We all know that, we get that. But there are more important things. There are things that are more important than other things. And these are some of the things that are most important. They're important. Paul's sharing them with them. He's like, remember these truths. Remember these things. They are your, your lifeline to God. They are your lifeline to living. And he's also then challenging them. He's challenging them then to impact the world around them. To, to be the children of God that God has called them to be and, and impact the world. And the cool thing that is Paul is writing to the Philippians 2,000 years ago. He's got them on his mind. God is looking into the future 2,000 years. And God has you and God has me on his mind. And now this word is as relevant for us today as it was for them 2,000 years ago. Now isn't that awesome? Isn't that cool? Like nobody, no person could do that. Nobody sat on a rock somewhere writing out the Bible. This is, this is the orchestration of a higher being, an intelligent God, who not only sees yesterday, but he sees today, and he sees tomorrow. And he sees it all. And he's writing, Paul's writing this with them on mind, but God is writing this through Paul, with you and me in mind as well. And so... God is bringing us into the discussion. Isn't that, that's just so cool. That, that, that the word of God brings us in to the discussion that God is having with whoever he may be having it at the moment. That's cool. Truth number 13, if you're keeping notes on our outline, is this. God is the one who is at work. Now that's important because we all work, we do different things, we have jobs, some are over others, some are under others. You know, we do different things. But the truth of the matter is, in, in the big scope, in the spiritual kingdom, the eternal scope of everything, the universe, God is the one at work. Look what Paul says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good, very good purpose. Now that's, that's big. That's a great truth right there. It's God who is at work. Remember Paul mentioned fear and trembling and working out your salvation. Well, I think part of fear and trembling is this. Is that when we realize that it's God at work in us, then we realize that what, what I am when I surrender my life to God, and say, God, have your way in me, is now I'm an instrument. I'm a tool of God's to use however he chooses. It's about his will. It's about his desire. It's about his use. It's about his purpose. And all I do, all I do is just obey whatever it is God is telling me to do. 
And we might have a little fear and trembling because like Daniel, God may send us into a lion's den and that's not a very comfortable place to be. But he did it so that he could win over the king and then he could win the nation to himself. God sees the whole picture, we only see our little part. But God knows what he's up to and he knows what he's doing and whatever situation you may find yourself in today is for a reason tomorrow or the next day or the next day. God has a plan. Maybe he'll throw you into the ocean where you're going to get swallowed by a fish so that you can get spit out on dry land and go and preach about the kingdom of God to an entire city so that they might come to know God as well. Maybe, maybe you might be uh, thrown in prison. This might cause some fear and trembling to it, the thought of being beaten or flogged, like the early apostles were, because they were proclaiming and talking about this Jesus so that an angel can come to rescue you and release you back into the crowd where you can be a testimony and a witness and a light of the greatness of God. Or maybe you might find yourself covered in boils and lose some of your family, maybe all of your family, like Job did back in the Old Testament, to show the devil, to show the devil, demonstrate to the enemy that a human being living on the planet with God in, in their heart and in their mind and sold out and faithful to God will not bend and will not break when under pressure. See, maybe God, maybe God just wants to use you through a very difficult time to show the world that a human being holding on to God can conquer anything. That might bring about a little fear and trembling when we say, God, do whatever you want in my life. Use me, God, however you want. When we begin to say those kinds of things, and, and maybe you've never said that to God. I, that came at a point in my life where I began to say those kinds of things. God, use me however you want. I began to understand he's the creator. I am part of the creation. He's God. I am not. I'm the work of his hands. And my role is to submit to the creator. And when I began to do that, I got a little scary because then God could say to me, go do things that I'm not comfortable doing. And believe it or not, he did. He did. He, I, I've, I've been able to be a part of things and see things and go places that I never would have gone to if I didn't surrender completely to God and say, God, use me however you want. And so when you do that, and I hope, I hope that you will do that, that you will just say, God, use me however you want. And then you'll submit to whatever it is because he is the one who is willing and acting to fulfill his good purpose. See, that's what God is up to in you. He, he has good purposes in mind. He has good things that need to be done. And he's looking for some faithful people that are willing to say, God, here I am, use me. And then he sends you to do something amazing. I want to be a part of stuff like that. I hope you want to be a part of stuff like that too. Look, here's the thing. He is the master planner. And in that plan, in God's plan, you have a place if you want it, if you want to be a part of it, but we have to give him total control. We have to let him have complete control. He is the commander and the chief. He says, jump, and we say, how high, right? How high, God? 
But the sad thing is most people never get to this place in their life where they realize that God has a better plan for them and they're just wanting to do things themselves. They want to be their own God. They want to call their own shots and they want to do what it is they want to do. And they never get to experience life abundantly in Jesus because they're too self-centered and focused on me. And I'm telling you, you let go of all that. And you say, God, here I am, use me. And I, you're going to go for the ride of your life. You better just hang on. I'm telling you, just better be ready to strap in because he's going to take you places that you never dreamed you would ever go. I remember playing flag football, flag football. I got my, got my football. Playing a little flag football with my brothers, Steve and Mike, mostly Bob, Paul, Frank, they all played too. But Mike and Steve play a lot of flag football back in Buffalo. They went all around cities, different cities playing in tournaments. Great. A lot of fun. Got to go play with them. Got to go to Orlando playing like the national championship tournaments and stuff. And had some fun. A lot of fun. It's competitive. Four on four flag football. And it's top teams and they're good. So the field's smaller. The time limit is short. And it's not like a regular three-hour game like you see on the NFL. Nothing like that at all. Much shorter, much quicker. And in the huddle, there's only a little bit of time. You've got just a few seconds in the huddle, call the play, get, on the, get, get to the line, and, and run the play. And so in the huddle, nobody talked except the quarterback. He called the play. He knew what was going on. He knew where he wanted people to be. He knew in his mind where people would be moving and where the defense would go. And so he called the play. There's no negotiating. There was no voting. There was no, like, bargaining, like, I want to do this. There's none of that. You just shut up. And you were told that many times. Be quiet. Quarterback calls the play. So real quick, I've got a, um, I've got a, I've got a, um, a mechanical uh, thing like you see, you know, in the NFL thing. And uh, it's going to move and I'm going to nail it. So get ready. Here we go. Ready? Boom. Yeah. Oh. Hey, uh, that reminded me. I remember Napoleon Dynamite. Remember uh, Uncle Rico? Uncle Rico with the football? We wanted to go back. Anyhow. It's God who is working it. And he's the commander in chief. And we just simply obey like in the military, right, there's ranks. And if a commanding officer tells a subordinate uh, a soldier to do something, there's no negotiating. You don't sit there and, and talk about it and, and give your two cents and this is how I feel about the situation. No, there's none of that. You just do what he says. That's it. We, we, we know that that is right and good. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Well, that is God. That's God. He is the highest ranking, the highest ranking officer, ruler, commander in the universe. God is over everything. Like he's got everything on his mind in the universe. I don't even remember what I'm supposed to be doing tomorrow. Like I got to keep a calendar to keep all this stuff straight. God just knows it all and he's aware of everything. It's his creation. It's his prerogative. It's his role to call the play and my role to simply carry it out. To just be quiet and just do what God says with joy in my heart, with, with the, the, the understanding that I get to serve the King of Kings, the Lord, the creator of the universe. I get to be one of his children and I get to serve him on this earth. That is so insane. God gets to decide to use us how he needs us. It's his good purposes that are going to be completed because they're best. They're better than anything I could come up with or you could come up with. 
Like, this is why we've got to be careful what we say to people when they're going through tough times. Remember Job? Remember Job in the Bible lost everything? I referenced him just a little bit ago. Lost everything. His family, his house, his everything. Burned, gone. And his friends had some really dumb and bad advice for Job. We've got to be careful what kind of advice we give people when they're going through trials and hardship and tough times. Because while we know that sickness and disease is a result of sin, it is not a result of God's plan, His original plan, God may choose to use it in your life. He may choose to use it in their life. God may choose to use it to maybe just testify to His greatness that, that this person is going through hard times, but look at their faith in God. Look at their trust in their Maker. Look at, look at how they, they just know that God is with them and they have a peace about their life even in the midst of this hardship. You don't know God may be doing that in their life or maybe he's using whatever's going on in their life or their world to shape them and mold them and, and break away stuff in their heart that needs to go. You don't know that. I don't know that. God is the one who is at work in them. Maybe it's to prepare them. Maybe it's simply as God considers the universe and he considers your world and their world and your friend's world, maybe God is going to use what they're going through right now to help somebody one day in the future. And God needs them to go through this so that they're prepared and ready to help a family member, a friend, some other group of people, somebody. You just, you and I, we don't have a clue. So we got to be careful what we say to people when they're going through hardship. Best thing we could do is tell them to hang on to God. Just trust God. Just keep your hope and your faith in God. He is going to bring you through this. There is nothing that God cannot conquer. And he knows what is best. And he has the entire universe on his mind. You know, you and I aren't even capable. We're not capable of, of making a decision in any way, shape, or form that will impact the entire universe. You and I have no, no authority. We have no understanding. We have no intellectual ability, power, or level that would allow us as humans to make a decision that will impact the universe. Are you crazy? Are you kidding me right now? There's no way you and I could ever do that. In fact, we already tried. Adam and Eve tried. And what happened? Sin, sin and brokenness and, and evil now abounds on the planet because we tried to make a decision that would impact the universe. And it did. And now God is trying to redeem us and to, to bring us back, to restore us and to heal us. And he's doing that every day. He's doing that. But one day soon he's going to come back and he's going to restore the whole thing. He's going to bring it back to its original in his image, in his eyes. And all those who are holding on to Jesus and hoping for him to come back soon are going to be with him in heaven. And those who reject him and, and continue to ignore him are going to find themselves in a bad position because their sin hasn't been dealt with. And you can't spend eternity in heaven with a holy God with sin on you or in you or around you. you. We have to be purified and that only happens through the blood of Jesus. Only Christ has authority to forgive our sin. We need Jesus to do that. But in a perfect world, in a perfect world, 
Like we're a sinless world where all sickness and all suffering is not in God's will. It's not in a perfect world. Sin and sickness and disease was never up to be a part of God's plan. It wasn't his intention. His intention was perfection. His intention was that we were in his image, made in his image, and that we would live in paradise forever. But he allowed free will to, to be a part of it. He allowed you and me to make decisions and to act and to will and to obey or not obey. And in the process of our free will getting the best of us, we chose to rebel against God. So in a perfect world, sin and suffering is not part of God's plan. But in a fallen world, a broken world, where sickness and suffering is a part of this planet, like the one we are now on, God can and God is able to use all suffering and all sickness to accomplish his will. He will march you right through the biggest hardship only to take you to the greatest place that you could ever end up, but you won't get there without the hardship. Maybe our tears and maybe our scars and maybe all the things that happen to us that we don't think are all that great or not very comfortable, those are the things that God can use to make you stronger and make you better and make you a more solid person, individual that he can use for his great purposes and his glory. See, we've got to give up the reins, and we've got to let him have them back. And give God his reins back. It's all about Jesus. He's the commander-in-chief. He is the strategist. He is the architect. He is the play caller, and he is the game changer. He is the game changer, and he wants to work in you. He is at work and he wants to work in you for his good purpose, right? His purpose, his plans, and they're far better than your plans will ever be, and they're far better than anything I could ever imagine. God is able to do amazingly great things, and he doesn't need my help. He just needs my faithfulness, and he wants my obedience, and so that's what we do. We just be faithful to God. And this other point it's very simply this. God says, do everything. He says, verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. And so what Paul says, truth number 14 is this, shine like stars. That's what God wants us to do. Like in the world, we impact the world. We shine like stars. That's what we do. When we think about this, we, we think about what Paul says. He says, in everything that you do, this is how we do it. In everything. Not in some things, but in everything. We, we do it without grumbling. We're not going to grumble to God, and we're not going to grumble to man. The reason is this. Because when we grumble, what we're revealing is that we are clueless. That we're not aware of what's going on. And most of the time, we're not. We're not aware. But when we grumble, we're basically saying, I don't trust you. I don't trust you, I don't believe that this is going to work out very good, and I want things my way. And so grumbling is a result of me wanting it my way. That's why we grumble. Paul says, don't grumble to God, don't grumble to man. Our obedience should be with a sense of honor and a sense of pride and a sense of cheerfulness that we get to serve God. And we're going to serve him whether he sends us into a dungeon or in to a mountaintop. Wherever he sends us, we're going to do it with a smile on our face because God is in charge and we are his and he can use us 
however he wants. See, if you're grumbling, when I'm grumbling, it's because I've forgotten that I have made a commitment to God that he can use me however he wants. And when I forget that, the human nature begins to kick in and then humanly things start coming out, like grumbling and other things, bad attitudes and, and getting snappy and saying things back and reacting in a wrong way. It's all the human nature taking over again. And so we surrender that back to God. The result of our training, like work out your salvation in fear and trembling, working it out, remember, the result of that training is that this, you will become, look what he says, blameless and pure, blameless and pure, without any fault. You're going to become more and more and more like Jesus. And what will happen is we will begin to be proved who we are will be proved. It will be proved, hopefully, genuine that we truly are children of God, that we truly are uh, like sons and daughters of the King, and we are followers of Jesus, not just in word or t-shirt, but in our actions, in our thoughts, in our behaviors, right down to the very core of who we are. We will be like Jesus in the midst of testing and trials. What we are and who we are will be revealed. What's going on? It's going to be revealed through the fire. It's going to show itself. We are on the move to become true children of God in every way. And Paul, the idea Paul is trying to say here is we've got to be people who are unmixed. No worldly and godly. There's no, there's no saying I follow Jesus and I'm a child of the kings. And then you go out and you do things with people that you know are not in line with being a child of the king. That is not how this works. And I urge you, I, I'm begging you, be a child of the king. Because it's the greatest place on earth you can be. And it has the greatest promises that you will ever receive. And the benefits are truly, truly, truly beyond anything this world could ever offer you. Don't let the devil blind you and, and get you to think that you can serve God and you can serve the world and do all the things that the world is doing as well. It can't happen. Paul is saying to the believers in Philippi and he's saying to you and me today, don't be mixed. Be unmixed. Like be totally sold out to the one who died for you and loves you and gave his life for you. Paul says, because we're living in a warped and we're living in a corrupt generation or, or world age. And the idea of warped and corrupt is simple. It's not straight. The, the, truth, has been, the truth has been tainted. The, the truth is all over the place. There's no, there's no real truth on the earth. The only truth is from Jesus and from the word of God. And everything else is just a bad imitation or, a, or an attempt to pull you away. It's like a curveball coming at you. It's not fair. Right? But a straight arrow, that's the truth. And Paul says, don't be, don't be blended with the world and, and then also claim that you are a follower of Christ. You cannot do that. God's desire for you and for me is that we will be children of God. And that is your true identity, is that you belong to him because he made you and he died for you. He sent his son to die on a cross for you. And so he loves you that much. He wants you to come back into being a child of his. To be in the fold, to be in the family of God. God calls us his children. As God works on you and as God works in you, we get to work with God on us. And that's what the beauty of God at work in us and around us 
causing us to be like him is all about. He's working on us. And what will happen is you will become more and more like Jesus. You will begin to look as you submit and surrender and obey and live your life for Jesus. You will begin to look like a true child of God. And when this happens, you will shine. In a dark world, you will shine like a star. You will represent God in a way that you never dreamed you could ever represent the Lord. And what will happen then is that the world will see God glowing in you. You will illuminate God's glory wherever God puts you. And he'll use you for his good purposes in this world through thick or thin, through good times or bad times, through rags or riches, through sickness or in health. You, in your commitment to Christ, in your faithfulness to God, in your understanding that he wants to use you to accomplish his purposes, not yours, God will use you to do a mighty, mighty thing. The Lord will accomplish great things through your life. And you will shine all over the kingdom for God, for God. For the glory of God. Shine like a star. Um, you all remember um, our, sports, uh, our sports guest today is a guy by the name of Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali from Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, you may remember uh, Muhammad Ali in 1996 when he when he lit the torch in Atlanta. I want to just show that scene uh, here to you as, as we think about this. Let me get this playing. And just watch this. You should remember this scene as Muhammad Ali, uh, Olympic boxer, greatest boxer to ever walk the planet, struggling with Parkinson's disease as he lights the torch. Now, just, just watch this for a second. Many of you may remember that scene. Muhammad Ali coming out on stage and the chairs and the crowd going nuts as he lit the cauldron, uh, signifying the beginning of the games. But that light, that torch, is the idea of what God is talking about when he says, shine like stars, like in the sky or in the universe. He's talking about like being a light for the glory of God. And the next point that Paul is going to make is going to, is going to continue this idea of not only shining uh, brightly for the glory of God, but also the idea of holding on to the light and holding out the light. And we're going to dig into that next time when we meet together. But I hope and pray God will bless your life, that you will surrender everything that you are to him that there's no guarantee of tomorrow. The only guarantee we all have, really, is this very moment right now. 
We're not guaranteed another heartbeat. We're not guaranteed another breath of air. We're not guaranteed another sunrise or sunset. Or We're not guaranteed anything. God did not promise you all that. But he did promise to be with you. And he can be with anyone who calls on his name. And I pray that you will call on his name. That you will hold on to the Lord. That you will shine like a star. That you will realize that it is God. It is God who is at work in you. Just let him have his way. Father, I pray that you would speak to all of our hearts to draw us close to you, Lord, that no matter what's going on in our life or our world, wherever we've been, whatever we've done, it's all the history of who we are. We know, God, what you're more concerned about is not where we've been, but where are we going? God, we want to go closer and closer to you. I pray that that's our cry, that all of us would just want to grow closer and closer to you, Lord. We love you and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. We will see you next week, I hope and pray, if the Lord allows us to. And uh, until then, be safe and be smart. And God bless you.